Welcome to Captain's Log, where theology, philosophy, and culture meet sci-fi at warp speed. I'm your host, Calvinist Picard, and on episode two, we'll be discussing everyone's favorite pastime, politics. We've just come through one of the most contentious elections in modern history. Now that the election is over, I thought it would be wise to reflect on the topic of politics and reorient our hearts and minds in proper perspective to the things that matter most. As we engage in this discussion on episode 2, I thought it would be helpful to frame some of our thoughts. First, we should acknowledge that we really can't fully explore an issue like politics in a tweet, a blog, or even in a podcast. Second, there is a paradox of simplicity and complexity. Some of the things that we'll discuss throughout the course of the episode will seem simple, and it really is ultimately boiled down to some simple truths. However, a topic like politics really does have complexity to it as well. And there's a paradox there, and, well, we might as well just get used to it. Third, we should understand that the core of the Christian identity is in Christ. Regardless of our political background, regardless of our opinion on certain political issues, regardless of whatever our leanings may be, we should all acknowledge as followers of Christ that our core identity is in Christ. This episode will feature thoughts on how evangelicals can better engage in the political realm, the true nature of Christian identity, especially as it relates to politics, and a call to intentionality as we really do try to engage with this uh, hot-button topic. The first thing we'd like to discuss today is how Christians can more effectively engage in the political arena. Evangelicals are quick to point out that politicians are not our salvation. Yet, if the manifested anger and anxiety are any indication, then politics is indeed considered salvific. Vitriol has consumed the political scene on both sides, and the church seems content to dabble in it as well. But we can do better through pursuing objectivity, humility, and knowing where to draw the line. And that's really where we want to turn our conversation today. We want to examine what objectivity, humility, and knowing where to draw the line looks like in in context of Christians engaging in the political arena. Objectivity. Can one achieve total objectivity? Of course not. But by simply taking a breath and listening, strides really can be made. Both sides have their strengths and weaknesses, and merely recognizing this is an initial step in the right direction. The other side need not be vilified. Contrast will do nicely. Some say objectivity is compromised, but that is a statement weighed down with personal subjectivity. Actually, those who are most secure in their position are willing to let that position be analyzed for validity and evaluate their ideas in light of alternative perspectives. Approaching political issues with the lens of objectivity, as much as is possible, enables one to avoid personal myopia. Christians can engage more effectively by engaging more thoughtfully. Humility. It is counterintuitive to respond to political bombast and pride with evangelical pretense and arrogance. Instead of staking out the high ground in every news cycle scenario, why not simply and humbly speak the truth in love? In many ways, it is a darker pride when evangelicals spout off their objections because it is pride wrapped in self-righteousness. There is no denying that Jesus turned over tables in righteous indignation. But there are two humble reminders that evangelicals need to remember. First, the Son of God supernaturally knew the motives of those he rebuked with harshness. Second, 
nobody is turning over any tables on social media. If we are honest, many clever turns of phrase and biting passive-aggressive parodies are more about self-promotion than advocating for truth. Blogs, tweets, and Facebook posts all have their place in the exchange of ideas, but likely much further down the scale of significance than we'd like to think. Christians can engage more persuasively by engaging with humility. Separation of Spirituality and State There is no escaping the call to be salt and light. Indeed, this was part of Jesus' redefining of Christian identity, and so believers must bring their faith and worldview to bear upon the issues of the day. However, the danger is in connecting the saltiness of the Christian ethic with the spirituality of the Christian life. In so doing, the paradigms of the religious right and the universal church have been merged into one within the minds of many evangelicals, and they are unable to detect it. The result is equating being, quote-unquote, right with being counted righteous in Christ. They are not the same. In fact, being counted righteous in Christ requires admission of wrong a posture of repentance and dependence not on our own effort, but on the finished work of the Son of God. Christians can engage more faithfully by engaging politics with spirituality rather than approaching their spirituality politically. Jesus did not come to deliver us from politicians or to deliver us through politicians. He came to save us from ourselves. And as the current political and evangelical culture reflects, we need saving. As we move forward into what is sure to be an increasingly toxic arena of public discourse, we would do well to integrate objectivity, humility, and Christian identity. Well, it's to the subject of Christian identity that we really want to turn our attention now. As I always meditate on how to engage politically, there's a song that typically comes to mind that I've often quoted over the years. It's called A King and a Kingdom by Derek Webb. And in the lyric... He has several lines that go like this. There are two great lies that I've heard. The day you eat of the fruit of that tree, you will not surely die. And that Jesus Christ was a white, middle-class Republican. And if you want to be saved, you have to learn to be like him. He goes on to say in the chorus, My first allegiance is not to a flag, a country, or a man. My first allegiance is not to democracy or blood. It's to a king and a kingdom. I think what he's trying to strike at there is the tendency to merge uh, the religious right, as we discussed earlier, with our very foundation of faith, with what it means to be a follower of Christ. I think the lyrics do a good job at uh, firing a shot across the bow, at least to get our attention and make us think through, really, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? And how does that relate to how we engage politically? What is the core of our identity? Another question that surfaces as we think about these things is what is the Christian mindset in regards to politics? Um, there are several things that we see surface over uh, the past several decades as we try to engage in this. Largely the mindset of the recent past, I would argue, has been what might be referred to as the moral majority seen in the late 80s and 90s. And the mindset really has been a merging of the Christian ethic within the political realm and trying to advocate the Christian mindset through legislation. 
there's also a divide between social issues and the legislation of the Christian ethic. And so in terms of what the Christian community really harnesses in terms of their political weight and really what they focus on uh, has seen a split between social issues and really trying to legislate Christian uh, morality. There's also been a section that really goes into total withdrawal, and they try to separate themselves from any type of engagement, any type of compromise, any type of uh, bringing to bear of what it means to be Christian on the political process whatsoever. And then there's another option where Christians try to engage through persuasion, through actually being salt and light. As we consider those options, it's also helpful to consider how to think through what I would deem the erroneous versions of how to engage politically for Christians and to really argue for and to think through the correct way to engage in the political process for believers. If we were to adopt the mindset of the moral majority, then what we're really neglecting to understand is that Christianity and the gospel itself really can't be legislated. It's not possible for Christians to advance the gospel, to advance the kingdom of God through political maneuvering in any way. If we were to uh, really think about what the dividing line is between social issues and the legislation of the Christian ethic, a lot of what we see in terms of how Christians have approached this is either you fall in one category or the other. You sort of have a view of, we're going to advocate for social issues like poverty, or we're going to advocate for uh, moral issues in terms of marriage equality, in terms of um, abortion, and things along those lines. But really, that's a false dichotomy. I don't understand why it has to be an either-or category and why it couldn't be both-and. In other words, I think Christians, if we're, we're really going to engage correctly, have to really get away from this bifurcation of the two different realms and understand that as a whole, we can engage all of these issues with the saltiness of God's Word, with uh, what it means to be light in the world. And we don't have to relegate social issues to uh, a subcategory and simply focus on the moral issues. Both of them can be avenues that we can engage in, and I think that would be helpful to the Christian cause overall. And then finally, as we contemplate either whether to withdraw totally or to engage, I think it's helpful for us to understand that nowhere in the Word of God can I find essentially... Uh, an advocation of total withdrawal. Uh, we see the Word of God calling us to go forth to be salt and to be light. Yet, nonetheless, there really can be uh, an unhelpful leaning either toward one direction or another. Either we can go the route of oversimplification, and we can say, well, the total answer is simply to proclaim the gospel. Now, we believe that. We believe that the gospel is the means through which the kingdom of God uh, will be advanced here on this earth. And the proclamation of the gospel is a powerful tool, and so we don't want to diminish that. But if we oversimplify that issue and simply say it is only through the proclamation of the gospel and we don't engage whatsoever, then we're withdrawing bringing God's Word and bringing the Christian ethic to bear on issues that do need that. 
And then on the other side, we can overstate the case, and, and this really gets back into the territory of the moral majority and believing that Christianity and the Christian ethic and the kingdom of God can be legislated. And if we overstate the case uh, for Christian engagement, then we can fall into that category. But right in the middle, I think, is an understanding of the gospel and an understanding of what it means to be salt and what it means to be light that really strikes the balance. It's a position that doesn't oversimplify and it doesn't overstate. It relies on the gospel. It tries to engage people in conversation. It tries to take the word of God and the Christian worldview and the Christian ethic as salt and light and it applies it in whatever sphere in the political realm that we happen to be dealing with. And so, politically speaking, as Christians seek to engage, I think our core identity has to be one that centers itself on the gospel, that centers itself on being salt and light. And I think while that might be seen as an oversimplification in some regards, I think it is a step in the right direction. So we're not arguing that we simply proclaim the gospel and just let all of the other chips fall where they may. We're actually arguing that we proclaim the gospel and we bring the Christian worldview and the Christian ethic to bear on any of the issues that we encounter throughout uh, the course of our conversations or in the political arena. In our time together, I thought it would be helpful if we really thought through what it meant to be intentional in our engagement in the political arena. Politics is already a complicated area, which is even more complicated as it relates to interaction with faith. All too easily, believers can fall into one camp or another and, and fail to truly exercise discernment. Does the Christian life really run parallel to a party line? Brennan Manning offers words worthy of our consideration. Quote, the anything-goes passiveness of the religious and political left is matched by the preachy moralism of the religious and political right. The person who uncritically embraces any party line is guilty of an idolatrous surrender of his or her core identity as Abba's child. Neither liberal fairy dust nor conservative hardball addresses our ragged human dignity." End quote. My intention is not to take a shot at both sides, but really to call all believers to be more intentional as they contemplate these various issues. There are weighty matters that need salt and light, yet saltiness and light can only be put into action by the Word and the Spirit. Well, politics is certainly a controversial topic, and I had hoped to uh, really treat the issue in a way that uh, didn't simply provoke, but provoked thought. And hopefully throughout the conversation, you've had a few things that caused you to think and had a few things that caused you to really want to dig in and, and uh, meditate on what it means to be a Christian and to engage politically. Thanks for listening and for thinking through these things with me. Well, we've reached the point in the episode where we want to give a shout out. If you recall, in episode one, we discussed stories, sci-fi, and faith. And on Twitter, I posted a question stating which the next generation story resonated the most with you and stated vote, share, and comment. I'll share the results on episode two of the podcast. So here we are. The options were The Inner Light, Best of Both Worlds, Chain of Command, and All Good Things. And the winner was the inner light with 41% of the vote. 
If you'll recall, the inner light was the episode where Captain Picard is struck by an alien probe and then relives the life of one of the indigenous uh, members of that race, and he learns to play the small wooden flute, and that certainly was a great episode. Uh, we do also have shout-outs from Kevin Ahern, who said, The Measure of a Man was important, an important episode to affirm human dignity and to reject slavery. Shout-out on Twitter at MS Laurie who debated between inner light and all good things and states we can learn from others and leave a legacy that we don't even know. Also at Twitter, T.A. Colin, who picked Darmok, even though it wasn't on the poll. And have to give a shout-out to Reformed Han Solo, who selected Tapestry, even though it wasn't on the list as well. Thanks for taking the time to connect via Twitter. We've reached the conclusion of Episode 2 of Captain's Log. Thanks for listening. Be sure to visit CalvinistPicard.com and leave feedback on the first contact page. And there you can also read the Captain's blog. I'd also encourage you to listen to us on iTunes and subscribe to the podcast so that you'll be automatically updated when new episodes hit. Well, as I leave you today, I'll leave you with a thought from Calvinist Picard. I like my grace like I like my class of vessel. Sovereign. <laughs>